Welcome to the Journey Beyond Sport podcast, where we have conversations with Olympic and national team athletes about what it's like to transition out of sport. I'm your host, Jasmine Meehan. First of all, I want to take a moment to just thank you for tuning in. I've received the most amazing feedback from many of you, and it just means the world to see your messages in my inbox, whether that's on Facebook or Instagram or email. And one thing that's been mentioned to me is that I haven't done a great job at telling my story yet. And it's really hard to sum up a career. I accomplished a lot of things I was proud of. I was a 2016 Olympian in wrestling, a Pan American champion. I won a university world title and a medal at the Com Games. But today's interview is really special because the episode gets at the core of my sport career. And it's a story that I share so intimately with my teammate, biggest rival, and amazing friend, Jen Morrison. Jen is a five-time CIS champion, two-time World University champion, Pan Am Games gold medalist, and world medalist who qualified my weight class for Rio 2016. We battled it out for world team spots from 2012 to 2016, and then ended up meeting in the finals of the Canadian Olympic trials. And it was this incredibly dramatic best two to three series that ended with this amazing moment of sportsmanship where despite the fact that Jen had lost, she ended up giving me this big hug. And even though we're huge rivals, we walked off the mat together, arms around each other as teammates. If you want to see the footage of it, be sure to check out my Facebook or Instagram page. Jen and I spend this episode talking about the journey to finding self-worth and how if your value as a human being is contingent on your sport performance, the transition out of sport is incredibly painful. Jen's story is so unique because she did the psychological work early on in her career, and it allowed her to be at peace even in what seemed like the worst moment of a person's career. I hope you enjoy being a fly on the wall in a conversation where Jen and I relive our glory days. Today, I have a really special guest, one of my really good friends, Jen Morrison. Do you remember when we met? Get it? Junior? Junior? Yeah. Junior. China, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would have been our first summer traveling. Yeah, we, we made the junior world team and went to China. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always looked up to Jen. You're only one year older than me, yeah. right? 19. Taller, though. Taller. <laughs> Counts for a lot in wrestling. <laughs> That's true. Um, and I was always in Ontario, and you came to Calgary. Mm-hmm. And you're were you from the Maritimes? Yeah, I, I started wrestling in the Maritimes. I did a couple years in New Brunswick, and then a couple years in Nova Scotia before going to Calgary. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. So we never really wrestled much, in part because I was in Ontario, and we were different weight classes. Yeah. Yeah. I was always, I think, for the most, for a long time, I think one weight class up. Yeah. And then it all came to a head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So why don't you uh, tell the listeners a little bit more about your career, kind of how you got started in sport, and then that sort of trajectory from 2012 um, when you went from, like, being a training partner at the Olympics Mm -hmm. to, like, gunning for making the team in 2016. Yeah, so I started wrestling um, in grade 9. My family had just moved to New Brunswick from Montreal, and I had been in gymnastics at a relatively competitive level for most of my life to that point. Um... But I was kind of done with it, and I was looking for a new sport, and I had never heard about wrestling before. Uh, but they introduced it in a gym class, and the high school that I was at had a pretty good program. Um, and they introduced it in a gym class, and you know, I like I liked it. It was okay. Um, it was very foreign to me. But I was a new kid in the school, and there was a couple girls 
who invited me out to like go to practice they were gonna like try for the team or whatever not really try because everyone makes a team <laughs> yeah <laughs> just show up that's a great thing about wrestling <laughs> yeah and they invited me to go along and in the name of making friends um I I went and fell in love with it right away like within the first week I, I remember my mom picking me up like after practice and just like being like drenched I had never like gymnastics isn't like a heavy sweat sport you know there's a lot of like breaks and whatever and and I remember just like being drenched and thinking like oh my gosh that was the most intense like adrenaline pumping thing I've ever done you know I fell in with in love with the sport right away and had a lot of early on success so yeah fast forward to I decided to go to Calgary at the time it was uh, arguably the best room in the country and coming from small programs in the Maritimes where there was a lot of quality but not a lot of people and not a lot of opportunity to really wrestle with the best um I went to Calgary and in a room that was just like filled with like world medalists and like multiple time national medals um in my weight class and above and below my weight class so um for quite a few years kind of made my way into being Carol's training partner and into the 2012 um Olympics and by that point you know I had I was, I was, I had big dreams and big goals of my own in the sport, but to that point, I had still been kind of like just waiting for my time. I was, I was still learning a lot and soaking up a lot and really making the most of my opportunity to train with literally the best wrestler in the world. Yeah, because Carol was Olympic champion in 2008 and then coming back into 2012, Mm -hmm. she was gunning to win an Olympic medal. Exactly. So, um, from, you know, I, I got to Calgary in 2006. So from, from like, you know, through her, her, the peak of her career, I was right there, um, wrestling with her every day and, and, and grew a lot in that time. And, um, and then when she retired, um, there was still a lot of really good wrestlers in the room, but it was, it kind of like all of a sudden, uh, I had to really start thinking about like, what are like my goals? Because for, I was kind of like coasting off of like, well, so long as I'm wrestling with Carol, I'm improving and you know, pretty good results were coming along the way. Uh, but I wasn't really in a mindset of like, and, and at this point I had just, I had wrapped up my varsity career. So there's also a little bit of a, it's kind of convenient to wrestle like while, while I'm in school anyways. So might as well make it way more fun. But so, but then you kind of hit like, okay, well now I'm not in school. So now I'm kind of making a decision of like, am I going to start a career? Am I going to try and juggle training and a career? Um, and so there's a little bit of a deeper level of commitment and feeling like you need to like kind of justify your time of sticking around, um, in wrestling because it's not something that's easy to do or convenient to do in any way. So part of it was just like the logistical time at which that quad kind of came around um, and making the decision that like, you know, I was kind of tired to be like in and around the national team. Mm-hmm. I was I, I was ready to like uh, put myself in a place of like really being vulnerable and, and going all in and, and coming to the end of my career. I knew I didn't have more than one more quad left in me like I was. Um, but really wanting to come to a place of like, I have put it all in and wanting to really see what my full potential was, um, and, and stepping out into the uncomfortable of being like, I'm going to find a way to give more, um, which, which is actually harder than just making the decision because, you know, I was already had been for years showing up at every practice, showing up at every workout and working as hard as I can when I was there and, and going home and sorting with however I felt about that practice and doing up and getting it, doing it all over again the next day. 
Um, but there was, it was actually a point of like having to actually get creative um, and really wrestling with like who I was as a person, the things that I valued, um, and going like one step deeper um, into really finding how can I like mentally like go further, emotionally go further, physically push harder. Um, is is uh, yeah. So that was kind of like when I make the decision of. Yeah, so that was, you know, 2012 was when Carol went to the Olympics, won her bronze medal, and then that quad sort of next quad started. Yeah. And I moved to Calgary in 2012. Yeah. And that first year we competed as teammates and I was at 48 kilos and you were at 51. Yeah. And then in 2013, they got rid of your weight class. Yeah, although right before they got rid of my weight class, I actually made the decision to change weight classes. Ah. And part of that was um, I... I believed that I could win at the lower weight class. Um, I had been in a little bit of a rut at 51, which was like my original weight class. And um, it was all a lot of the same competitors. And I was almost like in a way getting bored of it um, for a long time. Like it's a, it's a small community. And once you kind of reach that like top of the weight class, you're always wrestling the same people. So there was part of me that needed like a fresh start um to redefine myself as an athlete and and to challenge myself like 51 was also like a weight class that was like very comfortable 48 really like to have to like transform my body um and in a a lot of ways like not everyone was like thought that was a super good idea I was already really lean at 51 but I knew that I wasn't doing that much you know part of it is just like a genetic component like um and but I really felt like I could I could, I could find another level of myself, like, as an athlete, like, physically. Um, and I did. But it took it took time and it took a lot of, like, changes in my off-mat training and all, all kinds of things. Um, but, yeah, so I actually, right before, and then it was, like, within months, then the news came out that they were reshuffling the weight classes around. So I probably would have ended up there. Anyways. Anyways. And uh, if you wanted to go to the Olympics, you yeah. had to be at yeah. 48 kilos. Because 51 kilos was a weight class at the, at the World Championships. Yeah. But it was never a weight class yeah. at the Olympics. So yeah. you probably would have had to make the move yeah. regardless. Yeah. And, 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 and then going to an Olympic weight class was also – it's not like a year-to-year commitment. It's like it's a four-year commitment, right? And at that point, there was three years left. And, and again, that's like it, it pushes you to just go into like a bigger – a bigger goal, a more vulnerable, because now you're putting in more time towards, you know, and there's still the world championship year to year, but having that big picture changed things for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it, I, it was hard, I think, for us on some level as well, because we had been friends yeah. for a long time at this point, and great training partners. Yeah. Like, the best thing to have in the room is someone who's one weight class different from you, who can challenge you, but yeah. is also your friend. Like, that's the dream yeah. situation. And I remember when you were you took me aside, and you were so great. Like, you told me, you're like, I just want to let you know I'm coming down to your weight mm-hmm. class. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> Because, like, and it's funny because I look back on my career now and and I think the reason I was not happy in that moment wasn't so much because it was, oh, well, Jen's going to make it harder for you to win a gold medal or is going to make it harder for you to make an Olympic team. All that was true. But we talk about this so much now. Where I was at that point in my career, it was like wrestling was my self-worth. Yeah. So you coming down the weight class, I was like, uh, well, like I'm hustling for my self-worth down here. And if you come down and like you, you start beating me, you start winning all the titles, like how am I going to look at myself in the mirror? And I know you had kind of gone through a journey 
of self-worth and figuring out your self-worth outside of sport, Mm -hmm. completely differentiating the two. And I wonder if you talk a little bit about how you did that and kind of what led you to make that decision. Because I look at your career and when you left sport, I mean, in many ways you made a pretty smooth transition. Mm -hmm. But I think you did it in part because you had done so much of that personal and emotional work prior to leaving sport. Yeah. Yeah, so it like it actually started so early. It was actually after China, <laughs> um, our like junior, junior world, our junior worlds in China. Um, I was really disappointed with my outcome, and to that point in my career, really, I was only like five or six years in to like having wrestled, but I had already had a lot of success. And to that point, it had very much been like uh, someone lays out the plan for me. I show up, I do the work, I do it really w- well, I go all in, and then results came. And it was such a simple formula. Um, And the summer for China, I did the same thing and showed up at the Junior Worlds. And not only did I not get the result that I wanted, but I had a really flat performance. Like, there was nothing. um, And and it it shook me to the core. It was the first time in my career that I really had to, like, kind of deal with questions of motivation because all of a sudden I was like bitter and jaded and I didn't I like I hated losing to a point where I really wondered like oh like maybe I only like wrestling because I'm good at it and what if I'm like I don't win do I even like wrestling because like I'm gonna be going into like I'm just in the very early I'm not even a senior athlete yet and I'm already like I like I, I wasn't oblivious to the fact that I was gonna lose matches along the way but it shook me so deep and for so long like it took me months to pull myself out of that that, like, I had no choice but to do the soul search. Like, it wasn't like I was, like, wise in doing some soul searching. It was like, if I'm going to survive in this sport, I need to figure out, like, like where will I draw my value and my self-worth because, like, it was just too volatile in sport. And, and like, basically, like, wrestling was the god of my life and it broke my trust, you know? All of a sudden, it, it didn't fulfill me with all of the promises that I thought that it should. Um... And so it was like a bad breakup, um, you know, struggled to like recommit for years of like really like dreaming and putting myself out there and trusting the process. I had a hard time trusting the process, trusting my coaches. Um, And through like, you know, all kinds of relationships and series of events and circumstances, um, it kind of led me like in church. (laughs) Um, So it became a, a a big faith journey for me. And Um, I had been raised in a Catholic home and so it wasn't a completely foreign thing but I never really thought of myself as like a really spiritual or religious person in any way Um, but for me um, when it came at a place where I was asking those questions and the timing of it all it it took a long time and I really wrestled with it but over time like my faith was strengthened and that that was where I found um, a lot of the answers that I was looking for and that I needed um, in finding that that self-worth outside of the sport and it wasn't until I, I was really solid in that and that took years um, it wasn't until I was really solid in that that I was ready to like recommit you know to that relationship with wrestling to the degree of like being exposed and vulnerable and and really putting myself all in there um, and having no idea how it would turn out and and trusting and I remember writing this in my journal um the year before I finally made the world team the year that you made it (laughs) (laughs) went to the commonwealth games um and and writing that like 
like really believing that like for whatever reason I feel a call to the Olympic pursuit and and it's not just like like I have to I have to go after the Olympics with no guarantee of winning like I felt like it was like a promise to me like literally a divine promise that like like the it was a necessary the Olympic process was going to be a necessary process but I didn't get like the clear promise of like and you will be an Olympian like it was always like an open-ended like and you'll be okay and it will be worth it Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing because it was like once I got there that like it was almost like a chiseling process of um, dealing with like just baggage and challenging me to a new level in my character, in my relationships, in our relationship, in my relationships with the coaches. You talk about having gone through that understanding that you needed to put yourself worth in something other than wrestling when you were a junior mm-hmm. because you wouldn't be able to continue in wrestling without it and without doing that and Mm -hmm. I think what's so interesting about that is just it's so it's so different than most people's experiences Mm -hmm. and and it shows most people who know you or they say oh you have this sort of different mentality you have this different aura about you and it's because I think you had done that work on not hustling for your self-worth in sport Mm -hmm. which was like the total opposite (laughs) of me in a lot of ways because I spent like the whole quad from 2012 to 2016, like every day just hustling for my self-worth. And mm-hmm. I remember one time being in uh, this psychologist at the University of Calgary's office and I was explaining to her, it was right after 2013, which I had lost that nationals, even though I really felt like I should have won. Mm-hmm. I lost it for myself. And then you announced that you were coming down to the weight class and and Jesse was also going to be coming down to the weight class. Yeah. And like my world, I felt like was crumbling. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying to this psychologist, and she wasn't a sports psychologist. And it's so funny. It's so embarrassing to say it now. Because <laughs> like, I think I'm so much more well-adjusted. But, you know, there aren't a lot of well-adjusted people in sport. Mm-hmm. And so you always stood out in the sense that you were really well-adjusted. And I'm sure you had your struggles. It wasn't easy. But uh, I certainly wasn't well-adjusted. And I remember meeting with a psychologist and explaining the situation and how upset I was. And um, she was like, you know, like, what's the most important thing in your life? And I was like, that I win at wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, okay. And she's like trying to throw me a bone, right? She's like, well, like, what about your family? And like, what about, you know, like who you are as a person? And I was like, I am a wrestler. And if I do not win this national championships, like I am going to freak out. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me across the room and she was just like, you know, I really think you need to think about your priorities. And it's funny (laughs) because she was totally right. Like now when I look back at that, I'm like, man, I was so out of whack. But I left that room feeling like, gosh, she just doesn't get it. Like she's just not a sports psychologist. She just doesn't know what she's talking about. Like the way I feel is so normal. Um, and, and it, and it it is for, for sport, right? Yeah. Like how many people do we know like that? Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's funny because I felt like it was actually this great motivator in a lot of ways. It's, it's not a healthy motivator, Mm -hmm. but I know so many people who are like, yeah, like, when all my value is in sport, like, of course I get up every morning and go to training. Of course I work really hard and do the extra things because, you know, you kind of feel like you have to. Yeah. And that framework for your life is like not a very healthy framework and how to um, find a framework that is different and is one that can sustain you through life. I know for you came from faith. Mm -hmm. I don't know where it can come for for other people, but finding that like while you're still in sport goes a long way. 
let's talk a little bit about 2015 because you win the nationals. So to set this up for people who aren't familiar with wrestling, um, the year before the Olympics, if you you want to explain like how it works, if you like the ladder and yeah. everything. Yeah. So basically, like uh, the the Olympic trials are in the Dece- in December. Let's say December 2015, and the nationals were in March 2015. So what happens is whoever ends up top three at the nationals gets put on a ladder system is what they call it for the Olympic trials. And so you get to the Olympic trials and there's basically a pool of anyone who didn't make the top three. They kind of wrestle each other. The winner comes out of that, has an opportunity to wrestle off the third place finisher. The winner has an opportunity to wrestle the second place finisher. And the winner of that goes on to a best two out of three match to win the best two out of three matches. Um, in the finals for the spot on the Olympic team. And um, so it it's uh, so the nationals before is really important and has this added pressure because uh, you want to put yourself in the best position for the day of, right? Um, you know, especially when it gets, we had a very tight weight class where the three, the top three, we had been beating each oh, other. Oh yeah, like of, the year before in 2014, it was a three-way tie yeah, between us. Yeah. Which actually in wrestling, the way that happens is it has to be around Robin. And so you beat me. You beat Jesse, and I lost to Jesse. Okay, right. And, and I won because I had a pin. That's yeah, what it came like, down so to in 2014. It comes down to how do you win your matches, and then it goes down to the point system, right? Um, and then in 2015, you won. Yeah, but historically i would say jesse had been the better wrestler like in at that point she had the stat sheets right like she um in uh because it was also a change of weight class for her so we were all kind of like adjusting Mm -hmm. she was a world champion at 51 kilos so um even though like i was already down at that 48 and you came down it was you know we still kind of thought of her as like maybe the, the best yeah, one in the Yeah, which is probably something yeah. that we needed to overcome. <laughs> <laughs> right? And I think it took that whole quad to really get to a place where, um, because I think we had a lot of respect for her as a competitor. Um, and so it, so it was definitely like, you know, Jesse is like, you know, we're talking about our rivalry, but Jesse was definitely like someone who was like in that mix. Like she was someone that she was always on the radar. She was the, one of the people to beat, you know? Um, so yeah, so I, I, going into that, that nationals was so important, um, felt so important how it was going to land for, to set ourselves up for Cause December you want to be on the ladder because yeah, it, it was very evident and in our history of wrestling each other that like no one was like a sure bet against anyone. And the statistics on the trials at that point, like if you had looked back to uh, mm-hmm. Olympic trials over Olympic trials, the person who was first on the ladder almost always won yeah. because uh, they sit at the top of the ladder and you have to beat them in a best two out of three. Yeah. So historically, like if you are first on the ladder, your chance of making the Olympic team is really much higher yeah. in theory. Yeah. Yeah. So you win in 2015 and then you have this epic summer. So tell yeah. us about that. Yeah. So... Um, so it was actually my first time making the world team. I had, you know, hit the podium for eight years before that, never really making it to the top. So um, I had had a lot of experience internationally, but never, um, you know, as the world team member, and especially on a pre-Olympic year where at the world championship, the top five or the top six basically secured the country's spot to compete at the Olympic Games the following summer. So it was a big world championship. Um you know, countries don't miss it. Like, everyone shows up and everyone shows up A-game. Um, 
so yeah, so I made the team, and then I was lucky enough that it was the Pan Am Championship, Pan Am Games that summer in Toronto, um, which like was just the the best gift ever for me. Um, my whole family was there, filled the 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 stands. I remember them counting down literally till the end. I was holding on by sec like seconds to almost losing the match in the final, um, and uh, and then going to the World Championship and having great performance and and securing the spot and uh meddling at the world championship stepping in as bronze medal and which was huge which like, was huge like it was my first show my first time at a at a senior world championship it had been a long time since i had even competed like at a major championship like that um since i was a kid basically um and it was it was kind of an interesting year because i think Right before 2015, I had injured my knee. So the fall of like 2014 going into 2015, um, I was actually off the mat. And I think a lot of it, a lot of that soul searching kind of came back up in like, you know, trusting the process. Um, and and then, you know, so the, so the win at the Nationals felt like a really big you know, reward of like trusting the process, like, you know, like a pat on the back of like, um, but it was interesting because at that point, like we, every day we were growing closer and closer in the sense of like, oh, beating I beating each other back and forth. And right? I like, I stuck to you like glue too, because the thing <laughs> is, is I knew, I knew that Jen was better than me and I, I was going to do everything I could to try and beat you. Right. And, and this is something that I will always admire you for is, is that you, how many times that I ask you to do morning technique and you always said yes. And well, so yeah, I wasn't going to let you get ahead of me. <laughs> see, but it's funny because in another, in another room with different people, they're protective, right? Like yeah. you wouldn't, you knew I you were the you better one working on. Yeah. You knew you're the better one so that you had nothing to gain by like in yeah. some ways working with me and like letting me figure you out on yeah. some level. And I would like go home crying, be like, Jake, like, Jen sits out on me like I can't like I cannot like how many times did like you completely break my heart like in these amazing scrambles where I was like I just cannot figure out how to beat her um and you were always just so gracious and agreed in a lot of ways to to help me which is wild but it just speaks to the type of person you are I don't know though like I think I think too like and this is where Jesse comes into the equation like so like Jesse and I had had such a long history I don't know if Jesse would have seen it from that perspective because again like she was the one ahead of me like I was I spent a long chunk of my career kind of chasing Jesse um and in a lot of ways it's like yeah I knew I needed to like get to a place where like I beat you at the Olympic trials, but I also needed to get to a place where like I beat Jesse and you were my best shot mm. at getting good enough to do that. And, and, and when I finally did beat her in the, the closest, ugliest match at the nationals, um, like my, like the only way that I kept it together training with you every day and being in that like uncomfortable zone all the time was trusting that like it was going to make me better too because it wasn't like it wasn't good enough to just beat you I I had to be even better and beat Jesse because I hadn't to that point in my career and so um you hadn't beat her once even one time I had beaten her once but never not when it mattered okay. um I had beaten her in a tournament in Arizona it was like a one-off in the fall you know it wasn't like at a nationals um so 
so again, so so that was like another part of the confirmation, right? Like winning that nationals and and beating Jesse head to head was big. And you beat us both. You beat us both that tournament. Yeah. And so sometimes in wrestling, the way the draw works out, you might not actually face both people, yeah. but you you beat us both. Yeah. Square. But um, I attributed my win to Jesse from my training with you because I had trained with a lot. I had trained with the best my whole career, but never as someone who was like on my heels as much as you are like chomping at my ankles all the time and constantly put sometimes it's like it's 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 like when you're when when there's someone who's like ahead of you it's like it's easy to chase um it's like really difficult to be chased and to be the one with the target on your back and mentally like it's way mentally it's easier to wrestle someone who's like much better than you than someone who's like right in there with you like so you know that fight for every scramble that mm-hmm. fight like and the mental like staying in it staying composed like was something that I was training on a whole new level in just trying to like remain a half decent person and become a better wrestler while training with and against you yeah absolutely (laughs) and I think there were so many days that like we would both leave the wrestling room crying yeah it was never good like you know (laughs) it was never comfortable it was so uncomfortable um it really was and I think one of the things maybe we'll talk about this more when we talk when we watch the final moments of the Olympic trials but it was just like you know I hadn't done a lot of that work, like the personal work on like the maturity piece and separating my worth from um, wrestling. And so I always, I couldn't, I never reacted well when I lost you, like ever. I remember actually that like there's so many moments I'm not proud of, but I remember when you beat me in 2014 at the Nationals and Carol was in your corner and I maybe Paul was in my corner and I was so mad about a passivity call. <laughs> I was so I mad. I was like so, so angry. And then I just like, like walk, you know, over to Carol and I was just like, like was so angry and I kind of like just like threw my stuff down and like I was kind of that that kid and I think that it was hard because like I wasn't raised that way Mm -hmm. and I knew that that wasn't who I wanted to be but sport was bringing that out in me because I didn't have any other framework to process who I was Mm -hmm. and so like every time you beat me or you know Jesse beat me or whoever beat me it was like almost like this existential crisis every time and uh hard to work through that and, and then you go, you know, you go to the world championships in 2015 and you qualify the weight, which is huge. Like winning a bronze medal at the world championships in arguably the hardest year. Sometimes the world championships are easier in certain years, but when it qualifies the weight class for the Olympics, um, it's so difficult. Like you beat so many good people to win that medal. And in other countries, you would be the Olympic representative. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of countries think if you can qualify the weight, like, that's it, you you're going. It. Yeah. But we're Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a domestic system. And, and so that's why there's these Canadian trials after. And if a domestic person can beat you, um, then you end up giving up your spot in yeah. a way. So so talk about, you know, what that process was like after the world championships, you would qualify the weight mm-hmm. and then into the trials. So is. The whole 2015 year, you know, I made the team and I looked at the schedule and I knew and, you know, and with Olympic trials being the last event, realistically, it wasn't 
it wasn't a very good physiological <laughs> schedule. Um, there was a lot because there was even the Pan Am Championship. Like there was a lot of times making flat weight, which for me was a big process. Like it required a lot of weight management. Um, so I made the decision in 2015, like mentally that like, I don't care. I like, I have finally made this team. Um, I'm choosing to trust in the process. I'm choosing to make it about the journey. Um, and, and if I ultimately do want to have a good representation, if I make the Olympic team, then I want to show up at the Olympics, having had that year of gathering all of that experience also. And so there was part of me that kind of knew I was like taking a gamble. Um, but I still had my, but Olympic trials was definitely the most important event. Um, they were all important in different ways, but from a like career standpoint, Olympic trials was the most important one, which I think actually is what allowed me to kind of have a, a certain like light lightness about me at the world championship because it, it wasn't the be all end all. There's other opportunities to qualify like bonus if I do, but like the eyes are on like Olympic trials. And I think in a way it's what allowed me to have said that. So, um, I was, you know, I was like on the high of like the Pan Am games and the world championship. And I was, um, really grateful for how that had all played out and I kind of made a very like I and I very consciously realized like regardless of what happens like I have to acknowledge that this has been the most fruitful year of my career and I have to acknowledge what those reasons are it was it was the relationship that we had on and off the mat it was the whole um one team thing which was basically just like this idea that we had in our own club uh, like a dozen girls gunning for six Olympic spots, all of us believing that like this was our time and all of us kind of having the like history to back up that like we could be that person to step onto the Olympic team. Um, and, but kind of going arm in arm saying, you know, let's go forth with this and, 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 and kind of giving each other a pat on the back that like, let's be courageous and like taking this on and, 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 and defining our success as the courage to be vulnerable and having, you know, come this far and let, like, let's just go in and whatever, maybe, maybe kind of thing. Um, so, you know, the whole fact that I had qualified it didn't really, I didn't have that, like, I, I understood that in other countries, like that would have meant that I made the team and that's cool. But I think at that point I was still very much um, in a place like, it's not like I thought any, like I was getting to a place where I was thinking a lot, you know, more of myself as an athlete, gaining a lot of confidence, but it didn't really diminish the level of like respect and healthy fear that I had for you and Jesse. Um, and you had actually stepped onto the mat at the world championships, two weight classes above short notice and had an awesome performance realistically. So it's not like I thought like, oh, Jasmine's just like, you know, not on, like you were, you were gaining momentum too. Um, and so yeah, going into 2015, that wasn't really like, and, and even after I lost the Olympic trials, like it wasn't really uh, a factor that really played on me. The fact that like I had qualified or not qualified. Cause I just thought like, well, it had Jasmine stepped here or Jesse stepped here. Like they would have gotten the job done too. Like I didn't like, I believe that you guys were capable of beating anyone that I beat on that day. And, and if it hadn't happened, then it would have just happened after the Olympic trials. Like, so to me, it wasn't, you know, I was grateful that I had the chance to compete and I had the chance to win a world bronze medal. And like, that was, 
that was good for me like the the technicalities of it's so it's so funny to hear you say it because it I mean spoiler alert but we're gonna talk about how I end up winning the Olympic trials and we have this crazy best (laughs) two out of three match but like it ate away at me that I never qualified the weight like it really did because it was there was always a sort of voice in the back of my mind and again this came from like just not having the confidence and the Mm -hmm. self-worth and what that was it's just like well Jen qualified the weight like Jen deserves to be here did I win in a fluke like and and not really twice in a row yeah like (laughs) but you know people have good days and bad days in sport right and so um and I think I felt like, and whether this is true or not, I felt like other people felt that too, mm. right? And and um, that like, oh, well, if Jesse had won or if Jen had won, you know, maybe that would have been better for Canada. And that like really like weighed on me throughout the process. And uh, it's, I don't know if I will maybe ever get over that, but it's just something that you have to work through and and it's like, if you win, like, you deserve to be there, right? And it comes back to what we've been talking about. Like, this week we taught uh, wrestling camp, um, and we had to write on a piece of paper what we wanted um, the girls to feel, right? Mm-hmm. And so some people wrote powerful and smart, and we both wrote down worthy, mm-hmm. right? Like, you're worthy of, of success. You're worthy yeah. of, of being on the team. You're worthy of um, love and all of these things. And uh, it's really amazing in some ways that I like made it through my career without ever feeling like that um and so we often look at people who have all these medals and stuff and just assume that they feel that Mm -hmm. way but they really don't yeah so um you're heading into the olympic trials you're first on the ladder you've qualified the weight class um and I'm coming in ranked third Jesse's ranked second and there's a pool Mm-hmm. And so on day one, the pool wrestles. Natasha Cramble comes out of the pool. I wrestle her in that match. Uh, I won that match, so then I go and wrestle Jesse. I beat Jesse, and then we're set up to wrestle in this best two to three match. And uh, I remember, like, we're like in the same hotel room. Like, <laughs> <laughs> our coaches are going from one room to the other. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, "Who do you want to coach?" Like, yeah. you know, like it's in a way, it was like we knew that that moment had been coming and like it was looking back on it so tense but it was also like I don't know if I I could I'll probably ever have another experience in my life like Mm -hmm. that like being shoulder to shoulder with someone that like wants exactly what you want right in that moment yeah Yeah. and I think what was like I mean what what made it hard and 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 then in the end made it way easier was like there was a really deep mutual respect for one another that we both did no at that point it was pretty unspoken I think but I think it was like yeah I couldn't tell you how like great I thought you were <laughs> well, yeah like <laughs> we still had like a match to wrestle like right but like I like but it was like you know after, like you train and compete with so many people like you get a pretty good sense of like who really respects you and who doesn't um to a certain extent and I think like I felt confident that like you know um if there was anything like that we felt for each other was like respect and um and a lot of that had just been like we had literally went through the exact same preparation and knew exactly how hard and and in a lot of ways like you don't really think about it but like there is no one who like gets what you're going through as much as your very own competitor like they're the only people in the world who like really um journey so and I think 
you know, for me, I had grown really aware of that. A big part of it because, yeah, I, I had, like, just the whole previous year that had happened and, and how closely we had kind of trained together. Um, yeah, so. Um, why don't you describe, like, the best two to three from your perspective of how it's going to work and what your game plan was and how it went? Yeah, so um, I felt... When you beat Jesse, I wasn't sure how to feel. Like, there was a part of me that was, like, relieved because it was, like, more familiar. Um, there was a part of me that was really nervous because, I mean, I don't know how much you took from that, but in the weeks leading into the Olympic trials, I felt like you were gaining the momentum, and I felt like I was losing the momentum. Um, but, you know, like... I've been in that situation a thousand times where like your performance at the competition doesn't really reflect how your last few weeks really felt leading into it. Like there's often like such a big switch, like physiologically, mentally, emotionally that happens. So, um, I wasn't, you know, putting too much weight on that, but it was still aware at the back of my mind. And also like having the respect that we had for Jesse as a competitor is like, okay, like Jasmine's on, like, I'm not, I'm not getting a Jasmine that's not on because like she just beat Jesse um who's no chump and then uh, so you know I'm gonna be facing the best version of Jasmine who I knew was like tough <laughs> um so but you know I was really confident against I was kind of carrying that confidence from the world championship and um so yeah I was I was going in excited to compete um trying to stay very present and not get ahead of myself um and yeah like I was I was just zoned in. Like, I, I felt like I, w I had done all the proper things. I was zoned in. I, I have no excuses to make. I was I was ready to go. You know? Yeah, and, and then, like, <laughs> I actually, like, when you look back at the first and second match, um, we had wicked scrambles. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it really was both of our, like, best wrestling, where it was like, oh, one of them's going to score. Oh, mate, never no. mind. Like, yeah. and it just keeps going. And it was, it wasn't high scoring, but it was, like, I felt like it was very dramatic. Yeah. Like, every point was just so hard fought yeah. and hard won. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up coming out on top on the first match. Mm -hmm. And then there's usually about an hour in between that yeah. where you have to go back and regroup. Yeah. So I remember a few people coming up to me and, and, and I could feel people panicking around mm -hmm. me, you know, because coming off of the year I had, there was a lot of people who were like, okay, like this is like Jen's moment. Absolutely. You know? Like it's, and, and there were, and like, and a couple of coaches from like different clubs coming up because our coaches stayed quiet because they're both our coaches, mm -hmm. <laughs> but even coaches from other programs or like people I had, you know, friendships with coming up to me and I could tell they were panicking. They're like, you got this, it's just one match. Like, you know, like you, you could, and I remember about two minutes into the first match thinking shit <laughs> she's got a new game plan and I could tell that you had figured me out <laughs> um so I'm kind of like guys I don't need a pep talk I need a game plan and no one was giving me that um and, you know, and it's not to say that I hadn't thought and prepared about a game plan. It's just that you had come up with a better one. <laughs> um, it's so funny you say that, though, because um, for the first time, like the Olympic trials and part of the reason like, I'm proud of it is because it was actually the first time in my like career I felt like I 
didn't really have a plan. Mm. Like I had a feel, like I had something in my heart that was leading me as opposed to like this, I was a very cerebral person and always Mm -hmm. overthinking things, but it was all feel. And, and so it's kind of funny that you were like, oh shoot, she's different because I, I actually did feel different, but not because I actually had a plan, but because I just like my heart and my mind and my, everything was sort of And I mean, a lot of my game plan with you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do tell. What was it? Was force the mistake because you would ultimately I would get frustrated and, yeah. and, and basically just be patient. She'll make the mistake. And you weren't making the mistake, <laughs> probably because you had that sense of like letting go and just being free and not overthinking it. Where And um, so it's kind of interesting that we've never really wow. exchanged notes on Yeah, this. we have never, never debriefed <laughs> on that. Wow. Um, yeah, so for me, I just felt like I felt confident, you know, and there was like technical ways in which I thought that I could force the mistake. And when I, I I could sense from you that you were in a different place, whether tactically or technically or emotionally, whatever. I didn't know exactly where it was coming from, but I you felt different than any time I had ever wrestled you. And I wrestled every day. I wrestled you every day and I competed against you many times. And it was it was it was a different person. So um but I still didn't feel panicked. Like I you know, it was like you you I still very much believed in my abilities and it was still a close match. And I kind of thought, well, maybe I needed that match, that one match out of my system because I was kind of coming in cold and you had had that progression. And it's funny you say that because I think looking back on the tournament and, you know, luck and timing and draws and all these things play, they play a role. We Mm -hmm. don't want to talk about them because we have no control over them, but they do play a role. And it's funny because I remember my first match was against Natasha Cramble. And at that point, I had almost always teched her like yeah. uh, and and we go in and we actually kind of had like a closest match it was like six nothing maybe yeah. and I remembered in that moment like I was like wow I'm very fatigued like I, I would just the stress of yeah. the Olympic trials like my legs felt heavy and I was yeah. we were all fitter than we had ever yeah. been yeah but I I would like the, the stress of the moment just hit my legs so hard and I had you know the opportunity with her I, with someone I felt confident that I could be to like work through that. Yeah. And then I, and then I remember when I wrestled Jesse, like kind of seeing the stress on her yeah. and being like, Whoa, she's feeling what I felt, but I have already felt it. Yeah. And then same with you. Like I have like this sort of flash in my mind of like the color of your legs almost. <laughs> and pasty. it was, it pasty. was <laughs> pasty, but like almost like, uh, like we kind of were just sort of drained and you feel the stress hitting people. Mm-hmm. And I, I had felt it and that, certainly played to my advantage yeah and and it's funny how that works out sometimes yeah yeah you work so hard to get that first place spot and then you're like oh I could have used a little momentum game. yeah <laughs> it's like momentum counts for a lot yeah, yeah. even though we all wanted the first place spot that's yeah. so funny <laughs> yeah and so then we go out into the second um match mm-hmm. and it's so competitive again and there's final 30 seconds left um I'm winning I think 3-0 and you are in on the legs though like mm-hmm. tight and and to put it in perspective in wrestling like you know a takedown in one turn is gonna beat, beat yeah. you're gonna beat me yeah. even a couple few pushouts um yeah. you're gonna beat me so um I thought we could like watch the moment together and <laughs> yeah. then kind of I'd love to hear your take on it by Morrison Ian just desperately trying to keep Morrison's body position with the head down head buried pushing hard on the head not letting Morrison come up Morrison wants to come up and look to finish. 18 to go. Can she do it? Can she get behind? She gets the takedown. She got two. It's 3-2 with short time. 10 seconds left. Can she get the turn? They're going to make 
being open. At this point, you can almost clam up. Two and one, and Jasmine Meehan. This is going to come away with the victory, and guess what, Christine? She's going to Rio. For those of you who can't see, um, we just finished the match. We're both, like, collapsed on the ground. <laughs> just goes so exhausted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in that moment, uh, we get up, and you just gave me, like, this big hug. And uh, I'll never forget it. Like, for as long as I live, because, you know, like, you're sitting across from someone, you look them dead in the eyes, and they've been through exactly what you've been through. They've put in all the work. They deserve it just as much as you. And, you know, in that moment, you know, you were happy for me, and you gave me a hug, and you, like, were so supportive. And I think what was so overwhelming about it was that deep down, I knew that if the situations had been reversed... I wouldn't have been able to do what you did, right? And, you know, we stood up and the ref raises my hand and then you, like, grab me around the shoulders and, like, we walk off the mat together. And it was, like, this super amazing moment that a lot of people talk about and I realized that it couldn't have happened under any other circumstances because I really felt like because you had done so much of that psychological work and separating who you were from sport – you could see the beauty in that moment for your friend and you could be happy for me and you could respond the way that you did, which was just like the most ultimate sportsmanship moment mm -hmm. of all time. And I want to hear from your perspective, what was going through your mind? You know, your Olympic dream ended in yeah. that moment and at the hands of your friend. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot that went on in my mind and none of which I could have really well, in a way, I prepared my whole career for. I just didn't realize that's what I was preparing for. Um, but, you know, I had obviously hadn't, you know, we spent so much time visualizing ourselves winning. I had, you know, I didn't think like, well, if I lose, I'm going to do this like big act of sportsmanship. Like, yeah. It wasn't like that. Um, and I was just as blindsided by the emotion of that moment. And a few things happened. Um, the first thing is I saw your body, body language and I saw your face and it wasn't the face of someone who just won the Olympic trial. So as much as you've painted yourself as this like <laughs> villain this whole time, <laughs> hopefully by now, by listening to this podcast, people can tell like what an amazing person you are. Um, I guess like for me, like I, I just wasn't as like evolved. You I know think what you're I mean? just honest about your inner thoughts. Like we yeah. all have like a dark side. I think you're just really honest about your dark side. <laughs> um, so I saw that and, um, and then I had a flash and I, I haven't, I only told Monique this actually, I, um, to something that happened to me six years prior. So at the risk of exposing Carol Quinn, 2008 <laughs> Olympic champion. In 2009, um, Carol was like, you know, trying to find her love for the sport again, like trying to figure out, like living up to the expectation of her Olympic uh, gold medal and all of these things. And, and I'm pretty sure at the time she was having like neck issues. Anyways, I'm not going to make excuses for her. 
I beat her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that so, moment. I mean, it echoed through the wrestling world. Yeah. It was at like Arizona or something. It was in right? Arizona. It was like a tournament in the fall. It was like, you know, I had the tournament of my life at like in the off season, you know? Um, As one does. <laughs> um, but regardless of all of the circumstances and all of the things, um, and I was like more than an underdog and I don't want to compare the situation because you and I were neck and neck. Me and Carol were not neck and neck. Like I had scored on Carol like a handful of times in my life and there I scored just as many points in that six minutes or, you know, whatever, um, to manage to win the match. So whatever was going on on Carol's end, I don't know. But I remember feeling nothing but like awkward Oops. and like, oh, I didn't even mean to do that. And Carol responded by basically like moment like minutes after the match kind of tackling me from behind and being like what are you doing kid like you know you're not like the protege is not supposed to beat the master until they've retired like you know like wait your turn like you know she had such good spirit had such good spirit but I could tell that it was like hard for but she she chose to celebrate me and she she chose to put whatever she was going through at the time aside and you know as my teammate and as my friend she chose to celebrate and and she and we went for dinner and you know we had a good time that night and and she celebrated the fact that I had just had a great tournament instead of like moping about the fact that she's like in a crisis about all of whatever she was going on was going on in her life so it's, it's crazy to hear that because you know, you responded so positively to me in that moment. And it was like this ultimate gift. Like, I remember thinking like, man, when when I lose, like when I go out of this sport, I want to go out like that. Like, I want to go out supporting like that next generation and really being like, congratulations, mm-hmm. go get them. And it's interesting to hear that the gift had actually been given to mm-hmm. you by Carol. Yeah. Whoa, that, yeah. I never knew that. Yeah, and like I hadn't told a lot of people because I didn't want to bring out, like, I mean, <laughs> Carol was still competing for quite some time after that. And uh, I, I, I mean, I didn't want to talk about, like, I still felt, like, awkward about, you know, it was the kind of like this, like, win that wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> um, but her reaction to me, but I hadn't really thought about it for a long time. But the moment that I saw your face, it was like the emotion, like, brought me back to that moment at the same time um which I think like having that reaction and immediately like not wanting to be the person like like immediately feeling stronger about you as my friend than my competitor and not wanting to be the reason that you feel like you have to celebrate small reaching your dream like there was just like kind of like all of these like simultaneous like thoughts and emotion made me realize that even though I had just lost this wrestling match, I had officially like won the war. Like this war of like my whole wrestling career working so hard to get to a place where I could really say it's about the journey and not the destination, you know? Because I like and and I was pretty sure I was I had gotten there, but really hard to, like, honestly know that for sure when you're having such a good year. You don't really know until, like, you know, easy to say that. Like, easy to be a good sport when you're winning. Yeah. Um, But then to lose and still feel that same peace, that same, like, unshakenness of, like, my own worth and my own value 
and how much I had valued the process leaning, leading up to that. Um, it, the feeling blindsided me and overwhelmed me um, in a way that like I felt so grateful. And you know, and it's kind of funny because like even like going to watch the Olympic trials this year, there's a few people who were like, oh, you're the girl who like gave the hug. <laughs> and, and, and it's kind of weird because like I've been made to be like this like little like sportsmanship hero. Um, but in a lot of ways, like this is like a really amazing way to lose. Like people were like we had a standing ovation. Like people like just like like it was like the whole room knew and appreciated the process a lot more than and 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 what we had accomplished together and what we had gone through together and the the entire like arena gave us that affirmation by doing that um which like it was like you know so within like by the time i hadn't even stepped off the mat i had been like affirmed and valued and like been communicated in so many ways not only had that been worth it for me, but like everyone else saw it that way too. And, and people celebrated our process together more than who, who, which, which hand had been raised. I was given a lot of reasons to feel proud of myself. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, and I don't think a lot of people have that, especially when, you know, they end their career on like a really difficult, important loss. Um, for a lot of people, it's just like really lonely and anticlimactic. Yeah. And I was so grateful that I didn't have an anticlimactic moment. I remember, like, people, like, crying with mm -hmm. me. And, and getting to a point where, like, guys, like, I'm not dying. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's funny, like, I think you don't always realize how well-adjusted you are because for some people, it really feels like mm -hmm. dying. And what I love so much about your story is that it's so different than a lot of other athletes because most people do the work after they leave because yeah. they have to by necessity and you did it throughout so it allowed you to leave with this certain level of peace yeah and it's so important for people to hear that you can do that because people who are listening to this many of them are still in sport and they're trying to figure out like how do you leave gracefully like mm -hmm. what does that mean how do you leave with peace and how many people do we know in sport who have absolutely no um they just have so much bitterness. Yeah. And it's funny because we talk about, like earlier tonight we were talking about how, um, you know, if you do that work, you might lose wrestling matches, but you can't really be beat. You know, you can you walk away feeling like you still got everything you wanted from sport. And you yeah. might not have accomplished every goal you had, but you left with something like this character and this sense of worth that, it's funny, the thing that has always struck me about sport is, you know, we talk about character development like it's a consolation prize, yeah. <laughs> when really, it's actually the only prize that matters, and it's the thing you don't realize until you're after your career's over and you're out of sport, and, uh, you know, whenever we're around the wrestling world and people bring up people of good character, like, your name gets dropped, and... And I know that you're, you're like, well, your name gets dropped too. And you, you always, you're just like that person, like you said, like who tries to put light on their neighbor. But it, it is because you, you have done that work. And there's so many people we know who are like 50 years old and still haven't yeah. done that work. Yeah. Um, and so it's so valuable. So do you have any uh, like advice for people who are like, my self-worth is completely tied up in sport right now. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how to change that. What would you say? 
like a big part of it was like kind of figuring out like what are my values what do I believe in and the reason that for me it went to like the degree of like like finding a faith um was because I was kind of realizing like well I you know these are my values these are my values and and then kind of realizing but like why are they my values and what are they and so it, it kind of just drew me deeper and deeper and deeper where I needed something unchanging and 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 solid because I, I was I was craving so deeply a certain sense of like hope um and yeah and truth and whatever right um and when you say craving it, it just makes me think of this quote that I heard that when I heard it 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 resonated so hard and it it was we're all just a bunch of addicts struggling with our drug of choice mm-hmm. and for most athletes their drug of choice is sport yeah. and trying to like use that to heal all wounds and to give themselves worth and all of those things and so it's a little bit like weaning yourself off of that drug yeah absolutely and I guess I would say don't fear getting the process started because I think a lot of the fear is like that it'll because in so many ways, like, all of your unhealthy things are what make you a great athlete. Oh, 100%. Right? But in the same way that I was, like, 10 years deep in developing a certain technique and then realizing, like, oh, I'm doing, like, a lot of patchwork on this technique. Maybe I have to completely relearn it. And, like, it's daunting because you're, like, I don't want to have to relearn this, like, reteach my body. But then, really, like, you put the time in and it's, it's so much worth it because then instead of having this, like, subpar technique, you have this, like, really, like, bang on. No way I would have gotten where I got without that. You know, I would just say, like, I acknowledge that it's, like, it's a scary thing, but it's such a necessary thing. And at some point, you'll have to face it, you know, whether it's now or later. And in the grand scheme of things, and it's cliche, and I know how heavy it feels when you're, like, in the thick of it. But, like, realistically, if you can get to a healthy place in your relationship with your sport, um, it's a much safer place to be vulnerable and to kind of wrestle with those things and and to fail and to try again and to and to sort yourself out than when you're like in the middle of like a marriage or have children or a career and and then that's where you're having like your existential crisis <laughs> like um like take the opportunity to do it like um uh, because like you do have so much more beyond sport and like and and I think and I think you'll set yourself up even more if if you kind of deal with some of that stuff yeah so. awesome well, thank you, Jen, for being here. Um, my biggest rival, my lifelong <laughs> friend. Through sport, you get these special friendships that you can't get anywhere else. In what other universe would two people be like at each other's throats every day for the like a whole quad and have the experience that we had together yeah. and then now can be at each other's big moments in life yeah. and you came to my wedding in the summer and I just know we'll be friends forever yeah and it's so worth it yeah yeah yeah. it's been great thanks for having me it was fun all right thanks for being here Jen